What's up, guys? This is Raphael Garcia back with Shawan Humes on another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast. Today is September 7th, 2017, and we're back. I'm taking a week off. I had to take a vacation, guys. It was pretty well-deserved. So, yeah, I just kind of had to step out. Went to Chicago for the weekend, but we are back to talk MMA combat sports. We got quite a bit to catch up on, though, but first and foremost, how you doing there, Shawan? How you doing today? Oh man, good as always. Glad to glad to have you back. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. We have quite a bit to talk about because I want to say we kind of left everybody on a cliffhanger as the last show we did was right before uh, Mayweather and McGregor. And for those of you who are unaware or may be living under a rock, Floyd won via TKO in the tenth round. So I want to kind of wrap our coverage up on that. Um, we're at this point now where we're starting to see pay-per-view numbers and gate numbers come through. And pay-per-view numbers are sitting around, I'm hearing 4.6 million, somewhere around. They're trying to, they're determined to find a way to break the record, which is held by Mayweather Pacquiao. And I think that sits at 4.4, 4.6 or something like that. So we haven't gotten any concrete numbers yet but it seems like that uh, they are going to come close uh, the only thing that's really come out so far is the gate numbers with Mayweather and McGregor making a little less than uh, 54 or excuse me 55 I mean 55 million in ticket sales for the T-Mobile arena which is still less than the ticket sales for uh, I think Mayweather and Pacquiao did 72 million. So we do have those numbers, which are, which kind of which are pretty concrete. But we are still waiting on the pay-per-view numbers and all that. But uh, Floyd, uh, excuse me, Schwann, what are your thoughts on uh, how the fight went down? And let's kind of go back to that before we talk about the aftermath. Uh, the fight kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. To be honest. Um... I mean, the biggest the biggest issue was the biggest issue was no nobody knew what to expect from Connor. Nobody had seen him box anytime recently, so we had no idea what he was gonna do and how he was gonna do it. And essentially, I, I was a little impressed by what he did. He showed some nifty tricks with the footwork. His uh, jab his jab was a lot better than I'd seen it even in the UFC. His footwork was his overall footwork was a lot better, and his counters were sharp as always. The uh, the problem with Connor is. A lot of the stuff he does in the UFC, which people are so high on, is actually boxing. I know he does the spinning kicks and the wheel kicks, but a lot of the work he does, the best work he does is actually just boxing. And he's a, on average, he's a much better boxer than the majority of guys in the UFC. And he has a whole game built on setting up that left hand and setting up counters, controlling distance, and pot shotting guys and overwhelming them. That wasn't going to work against Mayweather, and it, and it, because Mayweather, Mayweather's seen everything, and even though he had a little bit, bit different style, when it comes down to it, you're still boxing, which means there's only so many ways you can set up punches, so many ways you can throw punches. At some point, a pattern gets set. At some point, your timing gets figured out. At some point, the spacing gets figured out, and once you get through all that stuff, that's when you find out how good an actual boxer you are, and we found out that McGregor, while one of the better boxers in MMA, isn't really all that good as a boxer once once you get past his tricks he didn't he didn't have a lot lot left a lot left for floyd after that because it's kind of like when you haven't seen as a person who sparred and trained when you haven't seen someone even if they're not as good as the guys you usually spar it takes you a second to figure out their grappling style their striking style whatever it is whatever 
sport you're competing in or sparring for. It takes you a minute, especially if it's really different than what you've usually seen. But once you figure it out, if that person's not at a certain level, you're going to tap them out. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And that's the same. Like, if I come in there yeah. and grapple, it'd be all funky. And you'd be like, well, Shawan's got a little funky rhythm. He's doing things he's not supposed to do, and it's working for him. But once you start getting that timing, once you start figuring out my pattern, I don't have the skills to compete with you on the mat. And when it came down to actual skills, when Floyd figured out everything else, and it came down to Connor being able to create space, pivot, learn how to conserve his energy, pick his spots, he didn't have the seasoning. He didn't have the skill. And you saw that disparity in skill and experience show up in the later rounds where Floyd just essentially took over. So I think it was it's pretty apparent. Um, the, Floyd, um, excuse me, in my opinion, Connor definitely won the first three, four rounds. I liked how some people explain it because they – I hate to take things away from Connor, but it was kind of being played as well. Connor won those rounds because Floyd didn't do anything, which in some regards is a fair point because I think through the third round, Floyd had only threw or landed maybe like 12 to 14 punches. Uh, he, you know, that's kind of what he tends to do real low output early in the fight and kind of takes over from there. But I still think that Connor had some really good 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 moments i know he hurt floyd with the body shot in the fight as well he was definitely had a good movement he was very active but i don't think it was the type of activity that it's it's like everything scoring he was just active for active sake at some points but i definitely think he had some good moments in, in the fight and he looked a lot better than a lot of people really anticipated well it's like we discussed it's we, we discussed this over the past couple of weeks and it's like i said before He's not a novice boxer. He's not. He's a novice professional. He competed at a decent level years ago, and he still trains back boxing actively. He spars boxers. That's what before Nate Diaz camp, he was sparring Olympic level boxers to get ready for him because Nate Diaz is not, uh, also a guy who knows how to box. So he had to get he had to develop his boxing a little bit more to compete with somebody like Diaz, where his usual skill set wasn't going to work. I expected him to land shots. He's in his prime. He's long. He's fairly quick. He's got an awkward style, and he's got great timing, especially on the counter. I expected him to have his opportunities. But it's kind of like it's like we also said. The fact of the matter is there's a big gap in experience. And McGregor, in MMA, his boxing has answers. He has solutions to the problems people present. But in boxing, in a boxing ring, without the other weapons, the kicks, the elbows, whatever, takedowns to create openings or to give him a break or to create space for him to, to use his punches the way he wants to use them, he didn't have all the answers. Like I said before, once he get pat, he got pat. He had a, a couple of turns where he switched stances to get off the angle and to land on Floyd. He had a couple counters. He got Floyd to, to, to bite on. But the thing about it is, once Floyd saw those once or twice, that didn't work ever again. So he had some tricks. And if his power was the same in boxing as it was in MMA, those one or two big shots he landed would have turned the fight and he would have taken up. Over. But in boxing, it's a little bit different because they're used to guys constantly punching them. Guys who have mastered punching, punching with snap, punching with placement, punching, getting into full rotation, turning the punches over. So his power in boxing wasn't nearly what it was in MMA. So when he landed, the, he landed the uppercut flush. Everybody I've seen him hit those shots with took a step back in MMA. In boxing, Floyd, you know, took it, and kept on going. So he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't have enough depths of skill in that specific area to essentially handle Floyd. And I agree with you that Floyd did lose the first three rounds. I think what people, when I hear MMA guys talk about boxing, it's clear they don't watch boxing. It's clear they haven't really 
trained boxing or sparred a boxer because the thing is in 12 rounds you have tons of time to operate you have tons of time you can give away the first three or four rounds and still win a still win a fight going away in mma you can't do that because it's three rounds even five rounds isn't that much time so you don't have the option of giving away rounds to figure things out like well he competed with floyd he was beating floyd the fact of the matter is he never put Floyd in positions that Floyd hadn't been in, and he never put Floyd in a position where he was going to have to be mentally taxed or really exhausted. Floyd was just figuring him out. He took the rounds. Let me figure out his pattern, figure out his timing, test his power, see what he has. Okay, this is what he has. Okay, now I'm going to turn it on, and I'm just going to essentially take this guy apart. And one one other thing I wanted to mention before we go get too much further in this, I know a lot of people in MMA are bashing Pauly Malinaji, but the fact of the matter is everything he said about Connor's power about Connor not having the seasoning, work, working in spots he didn't have to work in, about him not really handling pressure very well, and about him having some nifty little tricks and timing and funkiness to his game, but not having a depth of skill. Everything he said was true. People said, oh, you're lying. Look at the way your head snapped back. He snapped back. But he didn't He didn't rock or he didn't drop Polly with that shot. He didn't even really drop him with the clean shot. And all the little tricks and stuff he had, he did the same, the same stuff I saw in that clip. It's similar stuff I saw him do against Floyd. And after it stopped work, once it stopped working, it didn't work again. So a lot of what Paulie was saying, even though people were saying he's a hater and he's bashing MMA, he called it right down the line as far as how this fight was going to go. Yeah, I mean the fight went basically a lot how a lot, a lot of people did think it was going to go. He wore him down from start to finish, kind of got him out of there. We had the opportunity to get him out of there, which is exactly what uh, we all thought we would see. I, I don't. I, I don't. Did, I have to argue at one point. I think a lot of people thought uh, he would outbox him and get him tired. But when Floyd Floyd fought at the weight Connor wanted, Connor wanted that weight. So Floyd, because Floyd doesn't go into he didn't come in at one fifty four. He came in at like one fifty. Connor had like twenty pounds on him. He gave him the gloves he wanted, and we expected him to extend Connor and then turn it up. Nobody really expected him to walk Connor down. He essentially did what Nate Diaz did, put his high guard up, got in his chest, and just kept pressing him. Even when, if you notice, when the ref would break him. As soon as the ref broke him apart and said, let's go, Floyd was right back on him. From the third round out, he never gave him any rest. He hit him in the back of the head. Floyd didn't complain, whine, hold his head. He jumped right back on him, got, got right back in his face. He forced Connor to fight at a pace he didn't want to. And by positioning himself that way, he made Connor throw all these nonsensical punches, trying to create space so he could get to the range he wanted to, because Floyd would never take a step back. He just on him, on him, on him. He might stop to defend or, or block some shots, and he just kept pushing forward and slowly chipping away at the body and breaking him down. Nobody expected that from Floyd because Connor's supposed to be the bigger, stronger guy. And Floyd kind of bullied him. At 20 pounds lighter and 12 years older, Floyd was pushing him back all around the ring. So the thing that shocked me was that Connor boxed a little bit more. But he couldn't assert himself like the way you thought. You figure Connor's going to blow his, his load early and then he'd get out boxed. And it didn't happen like that. He got a little tired and, and Floyd walked him down. He walked him down for like six rounds straight. Yeah, he definitely did. So he I think that was did. the biggest. That was nobody would have said Mayweather by knockout. I thought there's a chance of it, but you know, even I was a little like, wow, he's he's every time he, and when he hit him, he, I'm not saying Connor doesn't have a chin, but I don't think he thought he, he he says Floyd doesn't have power, but the way he reacted when Floyd was hitting him, that didn't seem to me about just being tired. It seemed like Floyd had something on those punches that was a li little bit more than he expected, in my opinion. But Connor did impress. He boxed much better than I thought he would. But once he hit that wall and he ran out of ideas, that, that was essentially it. He just didn't have enough skill, enough experience to do anything else except hang tough.
what do you think about his comments afterwards where he was saying, you know, he wished the ref allowed him to go down instead of allowing him to take all those shots? Do you think it's something that he had some substance to there? I hate to keep referring to Malinaji, but they interviewed him afterwards, and I have to echo his sentiment. In boxing, it's a little bit different. If you wanted to let them continue, if you want them to let you continue, even if you're dead tired, all he had to do was throw one or two punches or move his head or kind of roll a little bit because this is a big money fight. They weren't just going to stop the fight off anything, but Connor would have had to throw one or two punches, at least throw something hard. And another point that nobody else talks about, you know how Con you know how Connor, another way he could have kept the fight going? Take a knee. In boxing, you can take a knee. He could have taken a knee. They would have given him an eight count, wiped his gloves off, asked him if he wanted to continue, and he could have continued, but he didn't do that. He just kept moving away, hands down, leaning on the ropes, getting punched. All he had to do was either swing back and the coach, and the ref would have let him go or take a knee. All he had to do was take a knee. He would have taken a knee, eight count, wipe your gloves off, do you want to continue? And that would have been the fight. But he didn't do that. And I don't know if it was he was too tired, he doesn't have the experience. And his corner, they're not, none of them are boxing coaches. They're, they don't, I don't know that they would have known to tell him, just take a knee, you'll get a break. It definitely does. And so well, let me ask you this question. I think this is uh, pretty interesting. What are what do you think Mayweather took from this fight back into mixed martial arts with him? Do you think there's any tools, anything that he learned, any lessons that he learned? And I have another option, uh, another uh, side to this question as well. But let's start there. What do you think he took from this fight back into MMA? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I actually said before, I think he's going to be a little bit like Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy came in and he he was in MMA. He took a break and professionally boxed for a while. And people, a lot of people say the difference in his hands and his footwork and his setup made him much dangerous in every other range. Connor's already had superior striking, cleaner striking, cleaner counters, footwork distance management than the guys in the MMA, probably about 95% of the guys he would face. And now having to stick to boxing exclusively, if you notice his jab was a lot better. His jab looked better than it did in the Diaz fight. And the Diaz fight was the first time he had consistently worked an active, defensive, and offensive jab consistently. And it looked much better in the in the um, Mayweather fight. The footwork was much cleaner, much better. And his counters had to be a lot better because the counters he hits people with MMA aren't going to hit even a, a rusty Floyd Mayweather. They're not going to hit him. So a lot of the thing I think is going to benefit him most is the jab and that footwork. The footwork has really improved. And actually, his IQ's gone up a little bit because he wasn't throwing all out in the fight with Mayweather. He was trying to score points. He was trying to control the pace. He was trying to work at a pace to maintain his energy, but also to keep on scoring points to win rounds, to keep rounds close. So I think those are the three biggest things that are going to give him an advantage. And the reason I think they're giving him an advantage is now his footwork's even better. It's going to be even harder to get those takedowns or get in positions to. And now since his footwork's better and his punching's better off of it, when he hits those pivots and he hits those angles, he's not just going to be hitting the angle and then hitting you. He's going to hit you as he hits the angles. He'll hit you with that, that straight left as he escapes, hit you with the right hand as he escapes. And that's really going to add another layer to his game, whereas now you could just pressure him, walk him down. He's gotten walked down by one of the best boxers of all time. And even then, it still took him a little bit of time. Definitely there's, did. Not too many, Definitely. there's not too many guys in MMA who can do that, especially under the abbreviated time time limit. He went what, 10 rounds? That's like half an hour. He fought longer against Mayweather than he'd ever fought before. That's going to give him some confidence moving forward as well as far as his cardio. 
Well, does it? Because I'm interested in seeing if fighters look at this fight and they, I don't want to say use it as a game plan on how to beat Connor, but it raises additional questions about how they can defeat him. I'm interested, the two fights I'm interested in seeing Connor take next are obviously Nate Diaz and then there's Khabib Nurmagomedov. I don't think the Khabib fight is anywhere in the horizon. I think they're going to go with the Nate Diaz fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see Nate start faster. Start faster and, and, and start attacking the body more. I, because we've seen two fights between these two guys now. And in both situations, Connor did get exhausted. He did get uh, exasperated. He found a way to kind of hang on the second fight. But that exhaustion is what caused him to lose the first one. So I'm wondering if guys are looking at this as like maybe they're coming up with the blueprint on how to beat Connor, especially, and then you got uh, Khabib. I don't think this fight, like I said, I don't think this fight is going to happen anytime soon. But if Khabib can force McGregor to wrestle like up against a cage and just wear him down with that style of his, I could see that that may be going, may go worse for the Irishman if those two got into there sometime soon before he really figured out how to handle his cardio issue. Well, his cardio has always been an issue. He's always tired. Yeah, that's that's been a problem because he because the way he he sells out when he he goes on the attack he's throwing full power he's throwing a lot of shots and it burns a lot of energy essentially when he hasn't gotten anybody out there you've seen the work rate dip a little bit and then usually he'll get a second win but then eventually he'll tire he'll tire again the thing with Khabib is Khabib's good in a grappling instance he gets his hands on you he can grind on you you can throw you he can toss you but the same thing in a context with strikes. Khabib's entries are beyond garbage, dude. Like, his entries into that range are terrible. He doesn't move his head, he doesn't roll with shots very well, and he comes in really hard. So you have a guy who's going to come straight in, who's going to come really hard, not move his head, and, and be reaching, trying to get his hands on you against a guy with good footwork, distance control, and excellent counters, and for MMA, KO power. That seems like a recipe for disaster for Khabib. And if he gets his hands on him for an extended period, he can do some work. But... I saw Khabib get lit up by Michael Johnson, and Michael Johnson, to me, he's a heavy hitter, but he ain't a sharp puncher, and his footwork's all over the place. A lot of his footwork is athleticism, at hand speed, explosiveness, foot speed. It's not actual crisp, sound footwork. McGregor's footwork has increased at least another 25-35% minimum. You know, he actually had a couple spots where he outpositioned Mayweather. Khabib hasn't got that kind of footwork, and once you stop Khabib's forward pressure, he's not great off the back foot either. So while it's so essentially the same problem he'd have with Khabib is the same problem he'd have before. But the thing is, it's going to be a lot harder for Khabib to get his hands on him now because because McGregor's jab is going to be be consistent, his feints are going to be a lot better, and his footwork's going to be, it's going to be a lot harder to get him to the fence. It's going to be a lot harder to, to get in on him. And we already know McGregor has a hair trigger on counters, so what's he going to do against a guy who walks right in and doesn't move his head? And now his punching is sharper and his punch selection is a little bit wider. And he can move now, hit angles and pivots. That, to me, that sounds like it's, a, it, it's more of a problem for Khabib. For Diaz, the problem isn't just Diaz's pressure because the blueprint to beat McGregor has been outlasting him and putting pressure on him. But that means you have to be able to take enough punishment to make him work, to make him gas. Because if you're going to let him pick his spots, he'll hit you with volume, kind of fake, dance around, put his hands behind his back to kind of goad you and to, to showboat. But that keeps you from attacking. So he gets to build his energy back up a little bit. And then he attacks again, rocks you, puts you away. So you have to be able to take punishment and walk through punishment to get to him. But Diaz doesn't have really quick feet, and he can box. But once again, McGregor's boxing skills has gone up by at least 25-35%. It's not going to be as easy for Nate 
to get his shots off. It's not going to be as easy for Nate to cut the cage off out of. It's not going to be as easy for Nate to pressure him the way he wants to because McGregor isn't the same fighter as far as his, his footwork, the sharpness of his punches, and his punch selection. It's gotten better. It had to get better because he was competing in a sport where it's 100% punches. He couldn't depend on his kicks or anything else to, to, get, to create space or give him openings. It was all his hands. So I don't think it's going to be as easy for Nate as it was the first couple times. And the second time, it wasn't easy for him at all. That jab was killing him the, the second in the rematch. The first two rounds, two and a half rounds, that jab was killing Nate. And the jab's only gotten better. And the footwork's only gotten better. So I'm not saying he can't replicate what he did. It's just going to be a lot harder for him to do that now, in my, in my estimation. Awesome, Neil. What do you think the total fallout of this is? Um, when you look at this fight, what do you think, how will this fight would be remembered five and ten years down the line? Um, it's an event. It's an event. It uh, helped Floyd make a ton of money. It, it put him back in the spotlight. Even though people say it was against boxing, since the fight was good and they had other good fights on the card and everybody represented themselves well, it didn't leave a bad taste in But If Floyd would have outboxed him for 12 rounds or knocked him out in the first two or three, it would have been really bad. If it would have just been like a brawl with an ugly slapping and head hitting and all that stuff, that it, hammer fisting that McGregor's in, if it would have devolved in that, it would have been really bad. It was a fairly competitive, one-sided fight. And Floyd fought in a manner he had never fought. He gave the fans finally what they wanted to see. They wanted to see him go forward. He went forward. McGregor showed some flashes of skill. And um, the fight ended, ended the way it really should have ended, with McGregor being defeated soundly. But it, it gave enough of a show where the people felt they got their money's worth. And for McGregor, it just made him a huge star. Because Floyd is secure enough in his own stardom. Floyd was the boss in there. So he allowed Conor to talk his trash, to have the stage. Every time Floyd brings somebody into a fight, he lets you have the stage to show what you can do, see if you can get the fans, see if you can get people behind you, see if you can make a name and a mark for yourself. McGregor did that. He took full advantage of it. So McGregor's star power, his asking power, is all 100% more. It, it really didn't hurt, bo it, hurt it helped both sports. It didn't, because all these guys, Tyrone Woodley gets to be on this huge pot broadcast and everybody gets to be on all these different shows, NFL Network shows, the Dan Patrick show, the Rich Nielsen show, all these different shows and all this different exposure, all because of this fight. So all the boxers got a lot of attention, all the MMA fighters and announcers got a lot of attention. It's a win-win for everybody. Only loss I see is it's still clear that MMA fans and MMA fighters have no idea what they're watching when they talk about boxing. They have no earthly idea. They really think that Floyd was in tip-top shape and Floyd came ready for business and you know Conor was right there with him and Nick, Nate Diaz understands boxing. He knows what happened. I understand boxing. I know what happened. You understand. You know what happened. And what happened is he was soundly out. He was soundly outboxed. He was competitive. He pushed the pace. He had some moments, but he was soundly outworked, outboxed, and he was essentially beaten up. He was essentially yeah. beaten up. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was a good thing in both ends. Everybody made money. Everybody got paid. And everybody's going to have a lot of options moving forward. Do you think that there's any growth in this for other fighters? You know, you saw the news this week that Chris Cyborg, she uh, got a boxing license now, and she's looking to fight at junior middleweight in the, in the women's division. We know MVP is boxing coming up. So do you think that this is an opportunity for fighters to find additional ways to make money in the near future? It's, I mean, there's a, a guy on Twitter, Rian Scalia, he does a lot of covers, a lot of boxing, MMA, but a lot of boxing. And for years, he did an article, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but a lot of MMA guys, when they can't get MMA fights, 
they they moonlight as boxers. Now they're not great, they're not world class, they're not top in, but they go and some of them have respectable records, some of them have losing records, but since they're in combat sports and they're conditioned and they're tough, most of them can give guys rounds and go four to six rounds, six to eight rounds, and they make a lot of money because they can fight fairly often because it's just one skill, which means you spend less money training. So it's a pretty common thing. The thing about the the name fighters is the name the people at the top they want they want to make big money like it's going to be the same thing as in MMA guys McGregor wouldn't have taken this fight against Errol Spence he wouldn't have taken this fight against Terence Crawford he wouldn't have taken a fight against Adrian Broner he wouldn't have taken those fights because those would not have paid him a lot more than he would have made in the UFC he took the Floyd fight because Floyd was the least dangerous guy who offered a chance to cross over in media I mean he had Showtime backing him the whole all all access was basically making Connor look like some kind of animal who, who was built for combat and let him say else his catchphrases. It really did a lot for his Q rating. But he's not just going to fight anybody, and none of these other fighters are going to fight anybody, be, just anybody, because the payment isn't worth the risk. Tyrone Willie says, well, I could boss. I would love to do it. Okay, well, you could fight. There's a lot of guys who aren't big money makers who you could fight, and they would love to fight Tyrone Willie because Tyrone Willie would help their bottom line. But he doesn't want to fight them because they won't make him the money he wants to make. He would want to find a Canelo or a Triple G. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the options will be there. The options are always there to make money. The question is, one, will the UFC let these guys do it? Because it hasn't benefited them. They're not going to risk their stars getting beat up or looking bad and have it impact their image on uh, in the MMA world. The only reason it doesn't hurt Connor is because Floyd is considered, he's undefeated. He's considered the best ever. He's marketed that. So Connor lost a boxing match to the best ever technical boxer ever the situation but you have Tyron Woodley fighting some seventh rank nobody at a at a junior middleweight and he gets knocked out how, how does that help Woodley now if he fights a Canelo that's different but what's in it for Canelo to risk fighting someone like Woodley Woodley's not a big star he can't draw why would he fight him he'd fight Connor Connor would be be a big money making fight but fighting Tyron Woodley no so I mean there's there's options but there's not the options that Connor had. And the only reason Connor got that option is because he's a star in and of himself, capable of generating money. That's why Floyd picked him. He wouldn't have picked another fighter because no other fighter could generate enough interest to make it worth his time to get out of bed to fight. Mm-hmm. I can definitely walk with that there. Uh, so let's move on to some other news from this week. We have Ben Askren basically saying he's going to retire after his next fight, which is booked against Shinya Aoki. Uh, there's so many different questions here. What do you think about this being a retirement fight, first and foremost? And he's only 33 years old. Well, the, I mean, even though everybody talks about, you know, fighting the best and being a legend, the biggest complaint we hear from guys is what? I have to keep doing this and p- putting my body at risk because I didn't make enough money. I don't have enough options developed based on the money I've had and the push I've gotten. He's got wrestling academies. He's got coaching opportunities. He's a wrestling coach for MMA. And he's gotten paid good money to fight guys who aren't even third tier in the UFC. So this is probably the perfect time. He's not at, I don't think he's at his physical prime anymore. And once you start slipping, you get old overnight, and that's when the losses start piling up. And maybe he just doesn't want to expose himself to losing to an inferior guy or a guy who's not even ranked in the top 25 in the world. He doesn't want to risk that because the UFC still doesn't want him. Bellator doesn't want him back. So who is he fighting? Who, 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 who is it worth for him to stay in fighting where it's going to be a big financial windfall and it's going to open up other opportunities for him? Who, who does he have access to that he could fight that would really benefit him? He I mean, there's money? no one there. And what's, I think he's getting a seven, I think he has a seven figure um, 
a contract over there. So I think he is definitely making in, in the seven figures as a member of 50, 1FC. 50, 50 to show, 50K to show, 50K to win. I thought his deal was somewhere in the seven figures. That's why he uh, went over there. Well, it could be. I, I've heard different things from people I've talked to. I can't mention their names because they asked me not to. But the thing about it is, let's let's just say he's only making 50 to show, 50 to win. He's not taking big risks. There's guys in the UFC fighting top-ranked guys for 50, for less than 50 to show and 50 to win. They're fighting guys in the top 10, top 15 in the world. In Bellator, you got guys fighting these kind of guys for 15 and 15 or 15,000 even. So based on the opposition he's facing, he's really getting paid top money to face guys who have no chance of beating him. If you if you consider all things, I mean, if, I don't know. Maybe he is getting seven figures, but if he's just making what I think he's making for facing the level of competition, he's getting overpaid. He's getting overpaid to put to beat, beat up nobodies. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that part there. Do you think this fight against Aoki is going to be taken seriously, or is this kind of like a uh, last fight to make sure I get this win and get out of here? I think he'll take it seriously because, I mean, he's a superior wrestler, and a lot of guys can't wrestle with him, but a lot of guys also lack the grappling acumen to put him in any sort of trouble in transitions and scrambles or anything. They can't do anything with him. Aoki is not as big as him, but the fact of the matter is Aoki's finished guys – I think his size, because Aoki's fought an open weight, if, if I recall correctly, and he's just one of the better grapplers in MMA. So I think, to a degree, it's going to be a chance to test his wrestling and his grappling style against Aoki. So I think he'll take it. I think he'll take it very seriously, and I think he's going to try to challenge Aoki in his area of expertise on the ground to see if he can out wrestle him, maybe submit him, maybe ground and pound him. But he wants to. I think he really wants to test himself, and um, of course he wants the money. That's part of why he does it. But I think. This particular challenge is very interesting because A, it's a name, it's a name that people know, and B, it's a name with a skill set where he likes to work from, which is on the ground, on top. Aoki is known for submissions from the bottom, submissions in transition, so, or catching him in scrambles. So I think he's really interested in the fight. And of course, it's the biggest money fight he can get. It's the biggest fight available to him. But I think it checks off all the boxes for him, to be honest. Okay, it definitely does. Something else I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested in seeing Angela Lee. She's fighting this same night. Are you familiar with her? Do you do you follow her? Yeah, uh, uh, she's a skilled fighter. I, I I like her. I'd like to see her fight somebody her size. But yeah, isn't she? Well, she's in, she's in, in atom weight, right? She's at 105. Um, I want to say, I could have sworn she fought. I, I I forgot the weight she fights at. I just remember her fighting a lot of people who were probably a weight class below. Who were taking the fight against her? Because there, there was a big issue when she was making fun of certain fighters in the UFC fighting fighters who were smaller than her, and people were like, "Everybody on your resume fights a weight class below you, or a weight class or two below you." Okay, for some reason I thought she was fighting at 105, but do you think she has UFC potential? I've seen that she has athleticism, and she's and the, the at the at the lighter lighter weight, it's actually pretty tough. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how she does against somebody who's a comparable athlete with comparable size and durability. I think she has skills. I'm not sure she's co completely defensively sound, which isn't a problem against the girl she's facing now. But the girls she would face in the UFC are going to be as big, as strong, or as, as good athletes, if not better. And I don't know how she does when she doesn't have a clear size, strength, and athleticism advantage. Because she's had it almost her entire time in, in, in that organization. So I'm I'm curious. I think she has the skills to, at least offensively. I don't know what she does 
when it comes time to counter or defend. I'm, I'm just not sure. Yeah, we haven't really seen her in a bad spot. Um, so I am hesitant to say that she's UFC ready quite yet. I mean, she's still training with like her family. So I think I always kind of have, I always feel some type of way like that when you aren't training at a big solid uh, camp that allows you to not be the best person in the room. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind you training with your family, but you have to be in a situation where you are clearly not the best person where you're being pushed because that once you get used to, if you're not being pushed, how do you develop a plan B, a plan C? How do you figure out the how to work out of bad spots and how, how to hit counters and stuff when you're never put in a position where, it's one thing when you let somebody do something to you so you can work on something, it's another thing when you have to figure out how to do it because that person is stopping you from doing what you want. And based mm -hmm. on what I know of her, she's facing people who she's letting do put her in positions when she trains so that she can work out of them, but she doesn't have anybody who can put her in a bad position if she doesn't want to be in one. And there's a big difference in the preparation for that. There's a big difference there. There's definitely a big difference. So let's look at the next piece of news I want to talk about. Uh, and it goes uh, kind of, you know, we're going back to the Conor McGregor situation, but John Kavanaugh was being interviewed earlier this week, and he says he's expecting Conor to be out until 2018. And I don't, um, I don't know if the UFC is going to bite on that, but do you think it'll be a whole another four months before we see the Irishman get back into the cage? I don't see what the rush is. He got a huge payday as a promoter and as a fighter. And I know people say MMA is harder because you're taking shins, you're taking, that's true. But the fact of the matter is there's a certain amount of punishment you take when you're just taking punches. Because with kicks, you can, using kicks, it can cut down the punches you get hit by. You can take people down. You can kind of, there's a lot of things you can do to get away from the punishment and the pressure. And regardless of whether Mayweather's old or he's rusty, he still was putting some heat on McGregor. And I don't know how, how used to McGregor is taking that kind of consistent punishment over an extended period of time. So if I was him, I'd be working on A, recovering, getting my, make sure I'm clear. I mean, he's on suspension anyways, but A, recovering, B, reacclimating myself to mixed martial arts, and C, just giving myself some time to come down because they've been traveling all over. He's got camera crews following him full 24 hours a day. He's been traveling to go to these sparring and these events, and it's been a big buildup. It's not just a fight itself, it's a whole event. It's very exhausting. And I think he mentioned it himself. It was, a, it was a lot to do. It was a lot to cover doing this. So I think he just needs to take time to get himself recentered, heal up, and reacclimate himself to the game he's going to be competing in where he's still a champion. Mm hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see. see I don't think the UFC likes it. For him to be back in but once again they're in it for their own business he's in it for himself so if i'm him i'm, I'm the biggest star right now i'm not letting anybody dictate to me anything because all these guys are calling for me not because they want to face the best because they want to make money tony ferguson doesn't want to fight mcgregor because he thinks mcgregor can beat him he wants to fight mcgregor because he wants to get paid same as everybody else so he needs to do what's best for himself and his family and i would just prepare myself correctly because nobody's going to want to hear any excuses from him if he loses nobody yeah, that's, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too upset with that. I, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be okay for him to take some time off. I doubt the UFC wants that because they definitely need someone to headline that big December card. But you know, that's kind of on them that they don't have anyone who can fill in that gap. If I'm Connor, I definitely take a, take a seat as well and just say, you know what, 
I'm going to sit down for a minute because I've done my part, for lack of better terms. You know, he's been in there. He's been, he's been, I mean, he made them money without them having to make, put on an event. I wonder what their expenses were for uh, the McGregor, Mayweather and McGregor fight. UFC, to my knowledge, UFC, Showtime, essentially UFC was a a co-promoter. But from what I understand, Showtime covered in. They did all the acts. The only thing UFC's pay money for was their embedded, their own little thing they did. They didn't have to pay for any of the tra- Showtime covered everything else. It was all Showtime. We're traveling. We'll get you here. We're setting this up. We're setting that up. Everything else was Showtime. UFC didn't really pay anything. They they got a clear. They got a big check from this too. Like you said, said he's helping keep. He's helping keeping them solid above water. And he didn't even fight in the cage. They didn't have to put up a cage. They didn't have to do any promotion. All they had to do was let him do his thing and let Showtime foot the bill while he did it. Okay, I was interested about that, but it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he does stay out for the whole time, and I wouldn't be mad at him for doing that. So let's talk about let's let's turn towards uh, the action that we do have coming up this weekend, where we have UFC 215, and I took some time the other day to look at this actual card from top to bottom, and this is a very good card. There are a lot of good fights on here. As I was working on the show format for tonight, and I'm like, man, there's so many different fights that we could talk about. And it's crazy because this fight is flying so far under the radar. Obviously, there's uh, two title fights at the top, but the story seems to be more around Demetrius Johnson and not even necessarily his opportunity to break the record held by that he's tied with Anderson Silva right now, but it's just more about the malaise and complaints about him. Do you think UFC 215 is set up to fail? And what do you think the overall response to this card will be when it's when it's said and over? I think the response it's a good card. It's just not a it's not a sexy card. It's got good fights on it. Demetrius is one of the, if not the best fighter. It's got the best bantamweight fight you can make right now. It's it's got a lot of good fights. Losing the Ngannou fight kind of hurt it, but up and down the board, it's a good solid card. But it doesn't have anything that just stands out that really sells you. You know, like when they had the John Jones versus Cormier, that sells itself because of the two-year, three-year history they've had back and forth, four-year, whatever. Then also on top of that, you have the, you have the uh, Donald Cerrone Lawler fight, which people were just you know so happy that was remade. You had fight, fights that appealed to everybody across the board, and they were able to survive the Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya fiasco. And then they had Cyborg, another person who has who has an underground following in this country. On this card, they don't have anybody who's who's anywhere near a ratings grabber, who's anywhere near a pay-per-view draw at any level. Nunes hasn't been shown. Nunes is only as popular who's facing her, and Valentina Shevchenko is not popular. Demetrius Johnson has never faced a guy who's been able to draw, and he in and of himself is not a draw. So while it's good fights, and there's ways both fights can be competitive, and there's competitive fights up and down the board, there's not any fight where you say, wow, that's... You know, that's just a, a fight that even draws casual in. I mean, Sarah McMahon, does she draw casuals in? No. Jeremy Stephens? Gilbert Melendez? Mm, no, they don't do that. You know, it's it just... Uh, Henry Cejudo? No, they don't, they don't have anybody who's a draw. There's nobody who stands out. All the fights are quality, but none of the fights are going to make people rush to buy the pay-per-view, except for people who are most likely going to buy it anyways. So... When you look at this card, let's start with Demetrius Johnson and Ray Borg. What do you see happening here? Is Borg going to be the man that kind of gets the biggest upset in MMA history? I, and I think this would be a bigger upset than 
Hinton Brown losing to, to TJ Dillashaw. Does Ray Borg get that job done, or is this an academic situation that we're watching uh, unfold? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's the same. It's similar, even though it's different. It's kind of similar to the Mayweather McGregor thing, or it's similar to the Dodson, the Dodson Mighty Mouse thing. In that, Borg is probably one of the more dynamic and faster people that Mighty Mouse has found. He's very good in transitions. He's very good at creating scrambles. So he's going to have opportunities to score. The thing about it is, in those opportunities he has to score, he's got to do huge damage, or he's got to stop. He's got to stop Johnson. Because that that's really the only way, because Johnson hasn't been shown that anybody has the intelligence and the awareness and consistently trick him or out-position him or out-technique him or out-strategize him for five rounds. People have done it in spots. John Dotson hurt him really bad in spots. He put some heat on him in spots. Um, Joseph Benavidez had some spots of success, landing some big shots, defending some takedowns, landing some offense here and there. But they were never able to put together a full five rounds of where they could win three or two or four or one to pull out to pull out a decision. And Borg has the same problem that everybody else has. He he's got tricks, he's got skills, but the question is, does he have as wide a bag of tricks, a wider range of skills as Demetrius Johnson? I have to say no. Does he have as deep a bag of skills as Demetrius Johnson? I have to say no. His biggest strengths are his athleticism, his physicality. And his ability to attack and transition, which is fine. But what do you do when you face the guy who can match you in transition and can force you to stay in certain positions? That's what happens. What happens when he makes you stay on the feet because you can't take him down? What happens if he you he takes you down and he maintains top position? And you just can't scramble, you just can't explode out of everything. What happens to that? And if your whole game's built around transitioning and using your athleticism in a high pace to create openings, that's not gonna work. Because eventually he's gonna get your timing. He's going to figure out the pattern, and then he's going to start taking you apart. Only thing he has to do is minimize the damage you do early. And he's just like Mayweather in the instance that he figures you out, picks away at you, controls you, and then once he figures, he's got you figured out, he pressures you, and he runs you over. That's what he did against Wilson Hayes. Was picking at him, controlling him. Once he figured out, had everything down, just took him apart. Henry Cejudo came out, was moving around lots, got a quick takedown. Okay, this is what he wants, this is where he wants it. Cool. Got back to his feet. Next time Cejudo tried for that, lit him up with knees, dropped him, put him away. And while I think Borg has the athleticism and the aggression to pressure him and to maybe overwhelm him, he's got such a full round of skills that it's really hard to put him in, put him in and keep him in the position that are going to win you the fight. Now, the one thing working in Borg's favor is this is his team's third or fourth shot at Demetrius Johnson. They've had one, they had two guys fight him. Dotson fought him twice, and I forgot the other guy who fought him, the uh, Dag, I think it's a Dagestani guy, fought him uh, a couple years ago. I think about There you go. So they've had, what, 15 rounds, 15, 15, 14, 13, some of them, something around, somewhere around there. More than 10, at least more than 10 rounds of footage of seeing what he can do, seeing what he does in different situations. So maybe they figured something out. But the thing about it is Matt Hume's just as good a strategist. And Demetrius Johnson has a hell of a lot more experience and a hell of a lot more seasoning and a wider range of tools. Borg can do it, but he's got to, whenever he makes that, he makes his move, he's got to make his move and he's got to close the show out. He's got to close it out. It can't be, I just stunned him and I let him off the hook. He's got to hit him, finish him, take over and end the fight. Because if you keep giving him spots, he'll work his way back in the fight. He'll start walking you down. And next thing you know, you go from one to two rounds up. 
you're losing three rounds in a row, and or he finishes you in the next three rounds. So, hmm. Wait, I mean, I was clearly like, no say. If you can, if you can press, if you can pressure Johnson, he has some holes. He 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 exits on a straight line. He can be countered a little bit. You can put volume on him if you can really pressure him. But he can do so many things. It's hard to apply consistent pressure for a guy who can take you down, or a guy who will use the takedown to get his hands on you, get in the clinch, and light you up with uppercuts and knees, or a guy who will use the clinch just to not even to do offense, just to control you and wear you out. And then once you're tired, get back in range and pick you apart, or a guy who'll just wrestle you and just wrestle a fight for position until you slow down, or a guy who who look for submissions while he wrestles you. He can do so many things that it's hard to really attack his weaknesses because there's such a high price to pay if you can't end it or you can't do a huge amount of damage to him in that in the instances where you get him in the spots he want you want him to have what you want to have him in it's funny that, that, that you said that because it was he was exiting on a straight line when Dotson dropped him both times he still does that he actually still does that it's not as consistent he's gotten better about it but the same op- the openings are there they've just gotten a little smaller and once again, if you miss that shot, he's gonna react. He's gonna he's gonna get the takedown on you. If you swing it and he sees it coming and he steps into it and smothers it, and he's vicious in the clinch. If he's in any position where you miss it or you can't do the damage you want, and and he can counter or smother and get you moving backwards where he's pressuring you, the fight's over. Because most guys are no good going back. They have systematic holes in their game that that, that hindered them from being able to come back. Some guys aren't good off their back. Some guys aren't good in scrambles. Some guys aren't good in the clinch. Some guys can't handle pressure. Some guys aren't good defensively. Some guys aren't counters. He can do enough of everything where there's really no area where you can take a break in. And these, a lot of guys, especially Borg, he depends on transitions. That's fine against a guy who can't control you or can't match your pace. But we saw we saw Mighty Mouse go transition for transition with Tim Elliott. We saw him take power punches from Benavidez who's the second hardest hitter, Dotson, who was the hardest hitter. We saw him figure out, disrupt the timing of Horiguchi on the feet and start taking him down and working him over. He, he's seen almost everything there is to see. So he's had a lot of real-time experience with a bunch of different skill sets, with a bunch of different levels of athleticism. And he's been put in the spots that he, he could get beat in. And he's worked his way out. I don't know what Borg will do when he doesn't have the freedom to do the things that he likes to do, which is set a high pace and constantly explode into and out of situations using scrambles and transitions. What's gonna happen when he can't do that? What's gonna happen if he can't if he can't get top position? What happens if he has top position taken on him? These are the kind of questions that we don't have an answer for regarding him, but we have answers for Demetrius Johnson. We we know what he's gonna do, we know how he's gonna adjust. So it's hard to go against the person who's proven that he can handle any any situation in any instance that comes up against a guy who we still don't know how good he is when he's really under duress, when he really can't do what he wants to do. Not struggle to do it, but can't do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested in this fight because I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm hoping for Borg to put up a, a, a great fight to make this interesting for Johnson's win to kind of get more his, his stock to rise, but I'm definitely interested in seeing how this fight goes and what kind of wrinkles does Borg bring to the table. Let's talk about the other title fight that's set too when we have Valentina Shevchenko challenging Amanda Nunez for the women's bantamweight title. Uh, you look at this fight and, you, and I know you're picking Shevchenko uh, to take the belt. How do you see it going? I really feel there's two ways this fight can go. 
the biggest problem is is Nunes's gas tank. I know she says I'm working full time, whatever, but in since she's made the change, we haven't seen her in any fight that's gone long enough or hard enough where her gas tank has been tested. The only the last fight her gas tank was tested in was against Shevchenko, and in that last round, she had nothing for Shevchenko. Shevchenko was beating her from pillar to post, and when she's fresh, defensively she's not bad. Offensively, she's dynamic. She's explosive. She hits hard. She's got a good skill set, good footwork, good counters, good leads. She's hard to take down. She's hard to keep down. She's good at submission. But when she starts getting tired, she's not the most she's not the most defensively skilled fighter. And the minute she slows even a half step, her defense kind of falls apart. Like when she's been tired, she got tired of Kat, against Kat Canzano, Zingano. She just got beat, beaten within an inch of her life. When she got tired against Shevchenko, she had nothing for her. Shevchenko was just taking her down left and right, slapping her around, beating her down, punching her, controlling her. It, it was like, it was beyond easy work. And Shevchenko's not a big bantamweight. Shevchenko's like a flyweight, to be honest. Shevchenko's actually like a flyweight. And she was manhandling her when she got tired. And I know once you get tired, it's hard to be defensively responsible. It's hard to be offensively responsible. But I've never seen a person like essentially offensively get so shaky and defensively fall apart completely like um, Nunez did. So it's hard for me to go against Shevchenko because what I really think is the whole issue is a matter of Shevchenko just extending the fight. I figure Nunez has the athleticism ability to blow her out if she can catch her, but she remember what happened last time. She can't afford to go for the finish and not finish. I mean, if she gets the finish, she's good, but if she can't get the finish, she has a whole new set of problems. And unlike a lot of girls who never faced Nunez and don't know her power, don't know her explosiveness, Shevchenko's tasted. Shevchenko took her best shots. Shevchenko took her best shots in round two. She took everything Nunez had. She got taken down. She got mauled. She got elbows in her face. She got punches in her face. She got kicked in the leg. She got everything. She took she took more punishment than Ronda Rousey took it, and she took it better. She took more punishment than Misha Tate took, and she took it better. She took more punishment than Sarah McMahon took, and she took it better. She knows what Nunes has to offer as far as power, so she no longer has that, that ace in the hole that, oh, she doesn't know what she's getting into. She doesn't know my power. She knows your power. She knows your speed. She knows your explosiveness. She knows your size. She knows your strength. You won't have that advantage anymore. Now it's going to come down to pure skills, and I think if she fights at a real slow pace, I don't think... I don't think that Nunes has the discipline to fight at a slow place and win a slow pace kickboxing match. I don't think she has the skills to. And if she fights at a fast pace, the minute she takes, a, the minute she slows a step, any step at all, Shevchenko is going to start ramping it up on her and she's going to walk her down. She's just going to walk her down. And there's a lot of avenues that she can do it. The main thing I would do if I was her is punish the body. Punish the body and make Nunes throw. Make Nunes throw. Make Nunes throw hard. Make Nunes throw, throw often. Because after she gets past and a certain number of shots and a certain amount of explosiveness she she's essentially like a female anthony johnson when she finishes she's dynamic she looks scary she's incredible when she doesn't finish even when she wins she looks really suspect she goes from somebody you wouldn't want to see in a dark alley to somebody who you might pick a fight with in a dark alley that's how severe the change is in her level of performance in her level of execution a female anthony johnson is how i would best con i i would best present her and i think she'll have her moments but she'll try to finish, and when she doesn't finish, she'll get tired. And when she gets tired, Shevchenko is going to take over. I mean, she gets tired in every fight. Every fight she doesn't finish in the first round, first minute, first second round, she she she's only won one decision. Every fight she's lost, she's gotten tired in, and it's gone past the first round or so. And I fully expect it to be the situation now. 
Who was the um, decision winner she has? Uh, Shevchenko. What strike for? No, she won a... I think she... Yeah, she, well, she beat Shevchenko. Okay. And and even in that fight, I know she I know she won it. I'll give her that. Or she won it. I'm not sure I believe it. But in that fight, you see the end of the fight, she wasn't... She couldn't have gone another round. She would not have gone yeah, another round. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. She was in bad shape um, when that when that final bell came and, around. And there's, and there's one other side point. I didn't mention this in my article, but the whole scientitis thing she has, they say it's under control. Is there any chance it flares up in the middle of the fight, right before a fight? I don't know. I that, mean, that, like, that's a good... That doesn't help cardio. What if she has a flare before? Is she gonna is she gonna pull out another fight right before? I, I don't know that she's I, doubt going... she pull out of... I, I, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that she'll pull out of the fight at all. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm willing to bet that there's a um, contingency plan in in place. Yeah, around. but the contingency plan would probably end up resulting in an interim title, which hurts her bargaining position a whole lot. You know, so I I, I just think. I think she has the ability to win. She hits that hard. She's good enough on the feet. She's good enough on the ground. But the minute she can't clearly dominate, when somebody makes her work, her effectiveness drops tremendously. And the fact of the matter is, the last two people she faced didn't offer her any resistance. First time she hit Misha Tate, um, her nose got broken. She overwhelmed them. When she started hitting Ronda, Ronda did not know what to do. Shevchenko's not going to be scared off by her power. Shevchenko's not going to be outclassed on the feet. Shevchenko's not going to be bullied or pushed around she's going to be able to hang with her and outclass her on a technical level and physically she's going to be able to in my opinion she's going to be able to handle the power the issue shevchenko has is shevchenko's not a big hitter herself she doesn't have any top-end explosiveness or top-end physical tools that are going to allow her to turn a fight immediately you know she lands a counter it's just a normal counter she lands a body shot it's just a normal body shot she's going to have to win the fight over the distance outwork her over the difference Fight almost a mistake-free fight at some point for about three rounds. She's going to have to fight mistake-free fighting because she doesn't have the size, strength, or explosiveness to turn a fight around at any moment. Nunes does. So she's going to have to be more consistent, more deliberate, more patient, more controlled, and more consistent. Nunes has the equalizer. She can turn a fight around at any moment based off strength, explosiveness, and power. And that's, that's what makes this fight so exciting that at any moment it could turn. Is this fight more exciting for you than than the main event? Um, it's more exciting for me because this is the first time where we have somebody who we looked unbeatable. I mean, she's basically cut a, a swath of destruction through the Bantamweight division. But this is the first time we're going to see her in with so she had a close fight. This is this is the last person who tested her, and so now this last person who pushed her is getting a second shot, and not just getting a second shot. But getting two extra rounds to work with that's very intriguing to me that's very intriguing because in a five-round fight around the time Nunes gets tired is around the time the fight a five-round fight really actually starts so it's a lot more interesting to me because of the technical aspect and because of, of how close these these uh fighters are you like you've seen her compete with her you know she can compete with her so and plus the fact the fight got canceled so you're kind of extra anxious nobody really believes Ray Borg can compete with Demetrius Johnson past a certain point Everybody thinks that Johnson is ducking T.J. Dillashaw to fight war. You know, nobody's really. Don't excited. get me started on that. Huh? Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. It's not a sexy fight. It's not really what people consider a competitive fight per se. So, even though it's a good technical fight, this this seems to be the more competitive fight because you're going in expecting a competitive tech fight. With the Demetrius Johnson Ray Borg fight. 
we're expecting, most people are expecting Borg to have some moments, Demetrius to figure him out, and then spend however long he needs to spend beating the hell out of him or submitting him. That's essentially what everybody expects to happen. You know, if Shevchenko loses, but it's a good fight, we won't feel robbed. If DJ just smokes, smokes some, if anything happens other than DJ winning, people are just gonna be like, eh. If Borg, if Borg wins, it's a big story. If DJ wins, it's like, eh. An unpopular guy who's a great martial artist, but nobody cares about one. That's not exciting. That nobody's nobody's mouth is watering for this matchup because it's, it has it hasn't been marketed or promoted. It promoted as a particularly tough or challenging one. And the way DJ's dominated hasn't shown any chinks in his armor where anybody, except people who really know the sport, could point to a, an avenue that Borg could take to win. So it's it just doesn't have that appeal to it. It doesn't have any sort of competitive nature to it. It's kind of like a, a predetermined finish. That's how a lot of people figure DJ is going to finish however he wants, one way or another. So, hmm. let's let's look at the rest of the card here because we got quite a bit to talk about. Uh, Francis Ngannou is he still on the card or not? I see that he's. No, I, I don't think so. I've seen that he's listed against. Uh, he is listed as still on the card, but I haven't seen anything about a new opponent being mentioned for him. I don't think he's on the card. I thought he, I, I was under impression he's already pulled. There's nobody for him to fight. Hmm. That's why I was like, why is he still listed as being on a card? But what do you think about the Dos Anjos new Magni fight? I think this is a very big fight for both men, especially Magni, because I feel like he has the patience and the technical acumen to uh, thwart Dos Anjos on the feet, but he has to be careful if this fight hits the floor. Yeah, I, I, uh, the thing about Desanyos is Magni has a problem against really good athletes and guys who can apply, who can apply pressure to him. Every time he's fought those kind of guys, he's, he, he's essentially ridden out the storm, taken abuse, and then worked his way back into a fight because of some personal failing of the guy. In the case of when he fought uh, Calvin, Kelvin Gastelum, Gastelum started so slow, he didn't come out with any urgency, with a high work rate, and Neil Magny, Neil Magny essentially out and sat on the lead and hung on to a lead and won. When he fought Hector Lombard, Hector Lombard was dropping him all over the place. That fight could have been stopped at any number of instances, but Lombard couldn't maintain a pace. He got tired, and then Magny turned it back on, worked his way back in, and finished him. When he fought Lorenz Larkin, Lorenz Larkin was aggressive, as he is before you put some heat on him. And he just walked through Magny. Magny couldn't handle his speed. He couldn't have his physicality. He couldn't handle his power. He couldn't handle anything. Magny's like an average athlete who gets by on toughness and savvy. The only thing about toughness is you have to survive long enough without taking enough damage that you can either exhaust somebody or they you can make a mistake. I don't know that he can handle RDA's power. I don't know that he can handle his physical strength. I know RDA is a better offensive grappler. I know he's a better offensive wrestler. I know he's better on the feet. The question is, can he maintain a pace to break Magny down and keep Magny under control and not make any mistakes? And to me, he can. He's aggressive and he's, he's, he's high volume, but he's very measured and controlled in his aggression. He works the body. He ties up on clinches. Every time you land a shot, he counters very heavily. He doesn't give you any breaks. He, he applies. He doesn't just explode. He has explosions, but he consistently counters and puts pressure on you. And then he ramps it up in spots where he explodes in. And then he goes right back to his average of putting pressure on you and chopping you down. I don't think Magni can stand up to it. 
I don't know that Magny's wrestling game is good enough, not defensively or offensively, and I know his striking game isn't. So I, I have to go with RDA. If RDA loses this fight, it's great for Bagney, but it's a big hit for, for Dos Anjos because given his name and his pedigree, he's already being talked about as a potential title fight. So losing to a guy like Magny, even though I respect Magny and he's a good fighter and he's a good pro and he, he's well prepared, the fact is he's not an elite guy is a huge setback for him. One that he can't afford and one that I don't think he's going to get. Magny's not a big puncher. He's not a great wrestler, he's not a great athlete, and he's not some, some physical monster. I really think RDA is going to be able to do some work on him. And I think he's going to win by a decision. I guess he could stop him, but he'll probably, he'll probably out, Magni will probably be able to hang on long enough and survive long enough to, uh, to win a decision, to lose a decision. Okay, okay. So for... Sanios, this would be what his second win this is coming up to welterweight. Do you think that he is a potential contender at this new weight class? Depends on contender just because they don't have a lot of legitimate ones. I mean, Thompson's gone, Maya's at the back of the line, Woodley's still got the belt. I guess if Masvidal beats Thompson, he could get a shot. Maybe if Covington beats Maya, you know, but if, 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 um, he could get another fight in, and if he beats the right guy, he'd have pretty much as good a as good a, as good of a record at 70 as anybody else who's available right now. And he's actually he's at least got some cachet because he's a former lightweight champion. He's got a, he's kind of got a little bit of a fan base, and he's the kind of guy who who doesn't lend himself to boring fights. Covington can be boring in instances because he likes to do the wrestle heavy thing. Masvidal can just shut down and stop working in fights, which can make it kind of boring. Uh, RDA is the kind of guy, even when he's off, keeps a high pace, keeps a high level of contact, makes for good fights. He looked off against Tony Ferguson. Still exciting. He got smoked by Eddie Alvarez, but it was still an exciting fight. I don't remember any fight he's been in in the past two years that hasn't been an exciting, high, high pace, high impact type fight. And so they, 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 they want to put Woodley in with somebody who's gonna, who can't be neutralized, who's going to force him to have to fight. Because Woodley's the kind of guy who's so good at shutting you down that if you don't have a guy who can put him in spots and make him work, he's not going to. Yeah, I can I, I can agree with you on that. I definitely I think that Covington's going to talk his way into a title fight, especially if he beats Damian Maya. But um, I wouldn't be mad at seeing RDA get the shot as well. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on this fight between Gilbert Melendez and Jeremy Stevens? For some reason, I feel like this fight isn't going to go the whole three rounds. I think someone's going to get put out here. But what are your thoughts uh, on this fight here? I think this is a very big fight for both men. It's a It's a big fight for both men because both guys are taking huge steps backwards. At one point, Gilbert Melendez was thought of as the one of the top lightweights, top five lightweight in the world. Definitely number tied for the number one lightweight. Excuse me, sorry. He uh, is tied for the number one lightweight outside of the UFC. And then since he's been in the UFC, with the exception of the win over Diego, he's pretty much lost to, to every top contender he's faced. He lost to Alvarez, close decision. He lost to Barboza, but clear decision. He lost to Benson Henderson. Some people say he won, but on the record books, it says he lost. So ever since he's come to the UFC and his level of competition is raised, his performances have been inconsistent. And then on top of that, he gets busted for a performance enhancer. And then on top of that, he drops down to featherweight all of a sudden. You know, I'm not saying... Is this a featherweight needed... fight or is this a... Um... Featherweight. It, oh, wow. Okay, I thought it was a lightweight, but I thought Stevens went back up. So that, that raises a lot of red flags to people. 
I think he's still a good fighter. He's still he's still a skilled guy, but he's never been a top end athlete. He's never been a super dynamic puncher. Super. I mean, when we when he fought Barboza, the first thing I kept saying is, how is he going to get Barboza to the ground? He's not a dynamic puncher. He's not a dynamic takedown guy. He's not even dynamic in his submissions. He kind of slowly chips you away and sets him up and then finishes, or just controls and pounds you out. He's just not a dynamic guy on any front, and um, that's going to be another issue for him fighting at featherweight. He's never fought, he hasn't fought in this weight in years if he's ever fought in it. And he's fighting Jeremy Stevens, who, even though he's very limited and he shows terrible cage IQ and he hasn't really made the most of all. I mean, he's got a ton of fights and he loses the same way now that he loses. He lost five and ten years ago. Just lack of footwork, not setting up punches, loading up punches, walking into shots, trying to turn the fight around with one shot and throwing only that one shot every fight. He's lost that way ten years ago. He's still losing that way now. The thing about it is John Stevens is. He's not the better fighter, but he's the better athlete. And he's shown to be the more durable guy, and not my estimation. And I think he hits a little bit harder. So there's going to be opportunities for him to take out, take Melinda's out because I don't know what Melinda's looks at 45. I, I, if I, I'm not even sure if he's fought at 45 before. If he did, it was like 10 years ago. So I'm kind of curious if the weight cut affects his energy, affects his gas tank, affects his ability to take a shot. You know, And um, being that he doesn't have any top-end athleticism, once again, at least early, it's going to be very hard for him to assert his his physical, his physicality or his will on Stevens because Stevens, Stevens is so dynamic and Stevens is so dangerous and he's so hard to control, at least early on. Um, if Stevens loses, I mean, he's he's considered a, an elite guy, but to be honest, he's never beat he's never beaten a real name guy. He's lost he's lost to the best guys he's faced. I mean, he's got a win over RDA, but that was when RDA was hit or miss ever since RDA's. Basically, he's beaten guys who he had an avenue to beat them, or they just weren't really on his level. When he's faced the better guys, he's lost to the better guys. And that's why he's never been truly elite. That's why he's never really gotten any chance of being at a title toss, because he can't win the big, the big fight. And um, this is the biggest fight he has. And if he loses this fight, he literally becomes a uh, gatekeeper, a journeyman, whatever you want to call it. That's what he's going to become. He can't no longer be considered any sort of title challenger or fringe contender or anything of that nature because he's lost to every name in the division every big name in the division he's lost to swanson holloway edgar now he's losing to guys who who've only been the ufc for a fight or two um i, I want to say that he 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 can't he can't win it because of his athleticism and his durability but he just hasn't shown he hasn't shown any consistency in his skills and i have to think that gil melendez has enough veteran savvy and grit and uh cardio to just make it through the storm and basically just um, outwork him, you know, work takedown attempts, keep him against the cage, use some footwork, and, and just outpoint him over a decision. Um, Stevens could end up at any time, but he gets really predictable about halfway through round one. And if you've even got the basic footwork and feints down, he's got nothing for you. I mean, if you can move in a circle, if you can circle fairly intelligently and switch directions, you've essentially beat Jeremy Stevens. If you can. If you can circle, make go in a circle around the cage and switch directions occasionally and throw a punch, you've essentially beaten Jeremy Stevens. That's really all it takes. So, hmm. Do you think if, if either man suffers a loss here, they'll find their way outside of the UFC? Um, I would have to think. I would have to think Stevens is definitely on his way out. I mean, he he used to only lose to the best. Now he's losing to guys who haven't even been ranked as elite. And losing to Melendez, who hasn't fought in how long? Like a year? That's not a good look. And Melendez, to be honest, um, 
he has he hasn't won a fight since he's been back. He hasn't won a fight since he's, since they signed him to that big contract. In fact, if he hasn't won a fight since he's been signed to that big contract. Lost two decisions, got finished by Anthony Pettis, and if he loses this fight, that's going to be what four fights in a row coming off of a PED suspension. And he's not a big name, and they had to pay him more money because he was going to go to Bellator. Uh, I, I can't see him lasting. Whoever whoever loses this fight, I fully expect them to be out of the UFC in the next six months to a year, if not earlier. Interesting breakdown here, man. Interesting uh, thoughts on that. What do you think about uh, where to go? What do you think about the Henry Cejudis, excuse me, Henry Cejudo, Wilson Hayes fight? I don't think this is going to be a fight that is compelling to mainstream MMA fans. It's going to be on the ground. It's going to be a lot of grappling going on. Uh, I have to agree to an extent. Um, the biggest thing about it is Cejudo's really good at takedowns. He hasn't shown to be really great at control. Wilson Hayes is good at striking offensively. He's good at grappling offensively. But as our good friend T.P. Grant said when he's here, he can grapple. He's a very good grappler, but he's not the grappler that people make him out to be, especially defensively. And without that, without that, I think it's going to cause him a lot of problems. On the feet, Cejudo's going to be the better athlete. He's younger. He's fresher. And actually, Cejudo's made a lot of improvements as far as his footwork, putting combinations, kick-punch combinations together, gauging distance a little bit better, working on the counter. I mean, when he fought um, Benavidez, he, he, a lot of people said he outworked him. You could see the fight that he outworked him, and he was landing the better shots, and he was countering them, and, just, and Benavidez never really got his timing. It was never really to impose his will and really pressure him the way he really wanted to win the fight. He was, out, he was probably winning the exchanges more often than not. And uh, as good as Hayes is, he's got a, he's like a lot of guys, or he's a lot of a lot of guys in his position. He's got a wide range of skills, and offensively, he's very good at those skills. But a lot of his success is based off his athleticism and his aggression, his physicality. He's not going to have an advantage in athleticism. He will not have an advantage in physicality. He won't have an advantage in hand speed, foot speed, or explosiveness. I don't believe he has an advantage in punching power. So if Cejudo's on weight, and he's in shape, I don't see how Cejudo doesn't win this. He might he he might be able to stop him on the feet. And if he's just smart on the ground, he can just use the takedowns, take him down, score points, get back up, beat him up on the feet, take them down, score points, beat him on the feet, or wear him out on the feet, take him down, and beat him up. We've already seen the blueprint to beat uh, Hayes by uh, Mighty Mouse. And I guess to a degree, we've seen the blueprint to beat Cejudo by Mighty Mouse. But the thing is, Hayes isn't as good in the clinch as Mighty Mouse. He's not as dynamic. He's not as technical. And second of all, he's not as, he's not as defensively sound is Mighty Mouse on the feet either. He's, he's kind of one-dimensional in that he's an offensive type guy and he's wide open for counters, especially against guys who got the hand speed and the aggression are willing to pull the trigger against them. So I fully expect Cejudo to win a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a good fight, but I expect him to clearly win a decision. He could possibly get a stoppage because um, like I said, Hayes has been around for a long time. He's fought a lot of high-level guys and in his, last, his most recent fight, he took a beating. He didn't just get beaten out class. He got beaten the fuck up. And now he's facing another guy who's made huge improvements and a guy who's gone through his second camp in a row getting ready to fight. So by now, all the improvements he made against Benavides should be razor sharp because he's getting ready for Pettis and he pulled out the last second. So then he went from Pettis, getting his weight under control, getting everything together, working on his skill set, working on the refinements. Now he went through another camp. So that's two camps and an off-season camp trying to get his skills down, get his strategy down, get his IQ ready, get his weight on point. So it's essentially like three camps he's had. So he's coming in fresh, no abuse, no punishment, and ready to fight. And Wilson Hayes is coming off a crushing one-sided loss. And he's on the, he's on the decline physically, 
and that's not a good sign for a guy who is not particularly defensively sound or responsible. Can you, I think your mic is close to something like your jacket or something like that. Can you make sure you have that space there because I can hear it rubbing up against it. Oh, sorry. There. No, 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 you're good. But um, I I want to disagree with you about Hayes being on the decline. I just think he ran into a guy, Demetrius Johnson, who was so much better than him in multiple facets of MMA that it made him, it made him look like he had glaring holes in his game, but I don't think that he's going to come out looking that bad in this fight uh, against Ohudo, even if he wins. I think it'll be one of those fights where he wins, he loses off of his back. But I am hoping that we get to see some exciting grappling action here because we do have two of the best grapplers. We have an Olympic gold medalist wrestler in the, in the cage with a guy whose jiu-jitsu is world-class through and through. So I'm hoping we do get to see some good grappling action here between these two, two on Saturday. I would like to see it, but if, I, if I'm Cejudo, I'm going to try him on the feet because I know he's getting older. I don't think he's, I mean, Demetri Johnson is a top-end athlete, but so is Henry Cejudo. So I, I know that he, I know Hayes isn't as explosive or dynamic as Cejudo, so I'm going to try him on the feet. I'm going to see what he has, see what he can take, see if he can keep up his cardio, keep up the pace I set. If he can't, then I'm just going to wear him out on the feet, and then when he's good and ready and he's he's taking some punishment, he's taking a beating, and it, and other guys in the UFC have taken advantage of him on the feet before. They just weren't able to defend takedowns or control him. He's not. I don't think he's going to get Cejudo down. I don't think he takes Cejudo down. I think Cejudo can take him down. I think Cejudo can use the takedowns as a way to get his hands on him, push him to the fence, start lighting him up in the clinch. I think Cejudo's athleticism and ability to explode in big spots is one factor. I think the fact that he's improved so much is another factor. I don't know that Hilson Hayes is going to improve a lot technically, defensively, or offensively from the time that he fought Johnson to now. We haven't seen Henry Cejudo in quite a while. So all he's been doing is training, getting in shape, and preparing. So I expect to see a lot of improvements. We saw how much he improved after the time off when he fought Benavidez. I'm expecting another another layer on top of that. And if that's what I see, I don't, I don't see Hayes winning unless he catches him with something and then can finish on the ground. If he doesn't catch him with something life-changing or life-altering, I don't, I don't know how he wins the fight, and I can't see him submitting him unless Suhudo is just totally out of control, crazy in how he's fighting him. So what else I mean, from this? Bro, event? Both of them, both of them are in, in trouble. Like Suhudo, this will be his third loss in a row. He can't afford to lose this fight, and at his age, Wilson can't afford to lose this fight either. He lost to the champ, another loss to a top-ranked guy, that that puts him way in the back of the line. So neither one of them can really afford to have another loss at this point right now. Both of them need this win. Do you think that this is a fight that could help uh, Henry get back into the title picture? If he, well, the hard part is, since Demetrius is still the champ, he, he'd probably have to win at least another fight or two. I mean, I, I'd have to put Pettis ahead of him just because I haven't seen Pettis against Johnson. So that would be an inter more interesting fight because I don't know. What's, I, I haven't seen it. I've already seen Johnson and Cejudo, and I would have to, unless Cejudo just completely walks through Wilson Hayes. But otherwise, he's going to have to win at least one more fight. He'll probably have to fight, like, maybe rematch Joseph Benavidez. I don't know who else he could fight that would justify him getting a title shot. But beating Wilson Hayes isn't going to be enough to do it. Maybe if he fights Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis and beats him, maybe. That, that might, he would take his spot and then and the, he could force a rematch. But as long as Mighty Mouse is a champ, he, he's kind of behind whoever is ahead of him. And, and Pettis would be ahead of him. Benavidez would technically be ahead of him, too, but coming off an injury, he might have to fight at least one more fight to get a shot at Mighty Mouse himself. 
Okay. Okay. And what are some other things that stand out for you um, on this card? And I'm actually looking forward to a couple of different fights. I'm looking forward to seeing Ilir La- La- Latifi fight once again. But and I'm also looking forward to the Ashley Evans uh, Smith fight. But what are some other fights that stand out to you on this card from top to bottom? I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, seeing the the Sarah McMahon fight. She's working with Team Alpha Male now. I'm interested to see how they mold her game, what direction they take her in. We already know she can wrestle and control. We know she can work top control and go for submissions. We've already seen that. So we're gonna see if she can open up her uh, her striking game a little bit and maybe work a little bit more on her transitional submissions and her ability to apply ground and pound um, on, on the ground. Because a lot of times she works for control. She doesn't, even though she has good ground and pound and a lot of fights, she ends up just working for control and eventually people work back in the fight because her focus is just keeping them on the back instead of keeping them on the back and doing damage. So it'd be interesting to see the improvements they move with her. Plus, if she wins this fight, that would be, I want to say, is it three? Is it four? It'd be four fights in a, it'd be four fights in a row. So it would hit, bring her right on the precipice of a title shot. She'd probably have to maybe fight Raquel Pennington. That's the only other person who's got Raquel Pennington and Amanda Nunes are the only people who got comparably more or uh, close to as many fights in a row as she does. So it'd be interesting to see if she if this propels her to a title title fight, and plus she's a big enough fighter. I think given how Tanya Evinger did against Cyborg to a degree, I, I think I could see some interest in Sarah McMahon fighting Ty, Cyborg if she wanted to. I don't know that she'd want to, but it would be a different style for Cyborg fighting a, a world class wrestler and a world class athlete, whereas Tanya Evinger was in not really world class in wrestling, not really world class in grappling or world class athlete, and she was able to have a few moments of success. You have to. Win wonder what a new and improved Sarah McMahon could do if she could get her hands around Cyborg's hips. Maybe she could take her down. Maybe she could control her. Maybe she could put her in a bad spot. We could see her do something she's never done before. Do you think that that's a fight she and her camp would want her to take? Probably probably not. I, I don't I don't think so. But, I mean, given the, how hard it is to find Cyborg matches right now, if she resigns with the UFC, um, they, need, they need somebody. And I don't know that anybody who's going to come from a striking background is really going to test her or be able to extend her because that's exactly where she wants to fight at. Somebody who has a, a good wrestling background and enough physicality and athleticism to kind of put her in a bad spot or maybe keep her there for a second, that would be interesting. You know, that's, that was, was interesting to me about the Avenger cyborg fight because Avenger wasn't coming to bang it out with her. She was trying to set up opportunities or, or getting in close enough so she could get her hands on her, push her against the cage, wear out with takedown attempts, get her down and see if she could hold her down and put some put some punishment on her and she had a couple moments of success and somebody who's a much better athlete a much better much more accomplished wrestler i think could have even more success okay all right i, I like that analysis there and that breakdown um i am i'm also going to leave with you there and i'm going to pick uh sarah mcmahon to get that win there what are some other fights that stand out for you uh this, this weekend is there anything else you're looking forward to on this card. No, that, that, I mean, the Ashley Evan Smith is kind of interesting. I like to see that one. So I think she has a lot of potential. She could just kind of get some things together and, and get her kind of her cage IQ a little better and put some some wins together. She has an interesting style. She's got skills, and I think I think she has a certain amount of appeal they could do something with. But she just has to put wins together, and she hasn't really been able to do so. Okay, great. Well, awesome there. I, I really appreciate hearing how you look to see these, these fights break out. Um, what are some of the things that you're working on this week for MMA ratings and beyond? Uh, well, for MMA ratings, I did my uh, UFC 215 
um, Nunez versus Shevchenko for dummies, 13 things you know, 13 talking points. Actually, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on uh, Twitter about it. People say it's like the best. I've had at least five people tell me it's the best breakdown they've seen, and they're really impressed by it. It's like the best quality of a uh, women's MMA breakdown they've seen recently. So a lot of people seem to like it. I just kind of talk about why the fight's made, um, certain attributes the fighters have, and what that means for the fighter as far as their style. I break down their style. I break down specific aspects of their style. I break down specific aspects as holes and limitations they have physically. And I, and I just apply it to that fight and how it could determine the fight either way. Because the best thing I always say is anybody can make a pick. The, quite, the hard part is being able to explain how it's going to happen and why it's going to happen. And I always make sure when I do breakdowns, I explain on both ends how this fight could end on either side and why this fight would go that way on either side. Because so, I'm not necessarily hung up on being right all the time. I just want to give people good analysis, which means I have to be able to explain both sides of it intelligently and uh, co in, a, in a coherent ma fashion that everybody can understand and process. So when they're looking at the fight, they'll be like, you know what, Shawan mentioned that. He mentioned this could happen. He mentioned this would be a problem. Because I just want to inform them and make them better better viewers, better educated about the sport, so that if they're around other people who don't know, hey, well, this guy knows this, he told me you should look for this, you should look for that. Um, outside of that, I did a piece for Combat Press, I did one for about Sarah McMahon, I did one for Jeremy Stevens, and I did another article for Severe MMA. Um, it was a breakdown of Henry Cejudo's overall MMA game, and kind of a preview of the matchup between him and Wilson Hayes. Awesome, man, awesome, I'm looking forward to seeing all of those pieces. Um, I am working on my previews for ADCC. You know, that's at the end of the month, and in Finland, it's kind of it's going to be a big, big, big show. Um, and check out the pieces I'm doing for Bloody Elbow. I'm breaking down each of the weight classes one by one. I just did this 66 kilograms uh, weight class. That one came out today. I'm probably going to do 88 kilograms tomorrow. So just keep an eye out. On that, covering the Carolina Panthers and their start of the season, and just about anything else in MMA, uh, I did a, a piece on the UFC and Fight Metric partnering uh, because of basically what happened for McGregor versus Mayweather, where the event was practically unwatchable online because people had a host of technical issues. So I think that that's an interesting partnership that can grow in some strong ways for everybody involved. So I think we should keep an eye out I have a on that. Go ahead. How does that, like, you know how the, some people's feed cut out? How does that impact the pay-per-view? Like, do those things not count because the feed cut out or the fact that they pay for it counts? I think the fact that they pay for it counts. So it's it's the purchase order that um, that is, like, the bottom line. So if you are watching an event and it cuts out, then you're still counted as a buy. Now, cancellations, I believe, also count in that as well, too. So we'll see how that factors. But right now, like I said earlier in the show, they are trending towards like $4.6 million. I know, they uh, I know they broke the record in the UK as far as pay-per-view buys. Yeah, they broke the record in the um, UK, but we're still waiting to see what happens in the uh, United States. Things that could have helped them, if they would have charged less for tickets in the stadium, they could have outsold. And if they would have charged a little bit less on the pay-per-view, I think they probably could have got 25% more people. They would have, instead of it being 100, 99, 100, they just would have knocked it down to like 75. I really think that $25 would have made a difference. I definitely agree with you there. Uh, and I definitely agree with you on the, um, 
on the breakdown of the ticket um, ticket prices because a lot of people talking who went to the event talked about it afterwards saying that it was just, it was a lot of empty sections a lot of empty sections in there and that they that they didn't show on TV so I could definitely uh, uh, agree with you there yeah I don't know why you have you want to have the biggest event with the most eyes and I know it's a, a valuable commodity and everything else but you know, it's like he if he has a hundred dollars, he's you know, it's the last month of the event. I've been like, you know what? If I'm Floyd, I'm doing this for the fans. Rest the seats, 500, 200, whatever. I'm cutting them all like in half, you know, 500, 200. Anybody wants them can get them. And I guarantee that would have filled out. Guarantee it would have filled out. He wouldn't have made as much money, but it would have it would have filled out and would have looked a lot better for basically what was the biggest combat sports or possibly sporting event ever. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing what the final numbers are when uh, the what the final numbers are that he and Connor made. Uh, I haven't heard, I haven't seen anything on that, but I haven't looked as well. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Oh, Connor's going to be a bit. He's a promoter too. I don't know how much. The question is, how much is the UFC taking from him? How much? Is he I got? heard it was twenty percent. Oh, I believe it's twenty percent. So it's, it's it's a small amount. It's no more than that, but I, I think it's it's a smallish amount. It it's a small amount, but you know, I mean, I kind of get it, but. Man, dude, you know, 20% for what? Y'all didn't do nothing. Y'all decided to pay for so I could fight. Like, y'all had to do nothing. I carried this. I sold it. Y'all didn't motivate it. Y'all didn't advertise it. What, are you getting, what did you do for your 20%? That's all I'm asking. Let him fight? <laughs> I, I mean, basically, Showtime paid for everything. What did you do? You didn't even spend any money. What do you think? It's, take 10%. I mean, it ain't my fault y'all bought a bought an organization, over, overpaid for the organization. That's that's a problem. That's a personal problem. Make better decisions with your life. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, you see, the funny thing is, the the only the person everybody hates on Floyd. The MMA fighters hate on him. MMA promoters hate on him. But who's the guy who got an MMA guy a historical payday and got him paid the value he's worth? Floyd Mayweather. That's gonna matter when he starts trying to get into managing MMA fighters because he's gonna say, who got the biggest start in MMA paid? Wasn't Dana White, wasn't UFC, I got him paid. I got him the money he wanted. So you need to come see me. Dana ain't gonna do that for you. So, I mean, this is this is gonna be a leveraging point when he starts managing MMA fighters, which he will be doing very soon, I can guarantee that. Hmm. Well, that is all I have for this week. So we are going to be back next week for yet another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast where we're talking about, where we will be covering UFC 25 and everything else, UFC 25, goodness, UFC 215 and all the other news that's coming down from Combat Sports this week, man. With that in mind, Shawana, thank you for being back for another week. I look forward to talking to you next Thursday. Thank you for having me. And more importantly, thank you for taking a vacation. I am going to continue to try to do so, my friend. All right, man. All right, man. We're out of here. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Good night, everybody.